This is the Amon Green Show on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back in to the Amon Green Show. I'm Harrison Arns on the ones and twos back at the Ticket Studios. Amon Green host is always streaming in from Houston. If you guys want to join the show, start our Heyman text line 402-464-5685. And again, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Allo, Channel 951. Always a great way to put, or always a great way to put a voice to the face. Uh, And again, obviously the Dylan Rayola news breaks. He flips his commitment from Georgia to Nebraska Arguably one of the biggest recruiting win stories. Um, personally, I can think of only 24 years old. It's, there's nothing that really comes close to this as far as recruiting stories. Um, and again, it, it, the flip from Georgia, I'm still curious, you know, where the disagreement was, if it was an NIL thing, um, where they split ways, or if it was just a family thing, like you were talking about in the first segment, coming to a place where he has that family already around him. But it really is remarkable considering you know, how much time he was spending, he was going to Athens. It just felt about every weekend, spending a lot of time up there. Only really had that one visit up here in Nebraska. And it was more of a family thing. Uh, so to see mm-hmm. this all come to fruition, you do have to give a lot of credit to Matt Rule and that coaching staff for keeping those conversations still in place despite him committing to Georgia. I think that just played a huge role. Um, and again, as, as you guys continue to comment, and we'll try to get to them all, um, we do have Ernie saying, very excited. I haven't seen it. Have seen him play four times at Buford this year. Great news for the program. Absolutely, it, it definitely has the potential to be a program shifting uh, kind of recruit if it all pans out. I'm on green with this kind of news, man. Where do you, where do you want to go next with it? I mean, we can go uh, talk about the future. We can talk about you know yeah. why he started to come to Nebraska. He also left out right. a Dr. Seuss s quote on Twitter for his announcement. But I'll, I'll give you the floor. Oh man, no, I'm just uh, no super excited that this is going down for us at least something you know this is better for not bowling you know we're not bowling but we get a we get one of the top recruits in the country that uh that's been out there for a while so that's excitement for us i say talking about what we were talking about earlier the offensive side or the defensive side and the team wise that's how i'm looking at the running back room too and looking at you know grant goes on he graduates he moves on there but then you got ramir johnson you got Emmett johnson um you got gabe Irvin Jr. coming from back from the shoulder injury. So you got a stout run game. You got mm-hmm. Tevin uh, Lubin, running back uh, out of Wahoo. So you got a nice little running back crew of players, Cole and what's this, Quentin and Maurice and Kenneth and Trayvon Kitchen here from Miami, Florida, Lovejoy. So got a nice stack room to there, right there as a quarterback. You could feel real comfortable knowing you got some experienced guys. And, you know, we saw Emmett Johnson. He was the one. The redshirt freshman came in um, and got a lot of the good burns, started to get better game by game when Anthony Grant was going through his law with the fumble issue. But then he was able to come back as well. So you had two mm-hmm. running backs that was helping out their offense uh, with getting yards, running hard, and then also having this another option. Because when a quarterback feels that they got to carry all the load, that's tough. And some quarterbacks can do it. Don't matter which level, if it's college or pro level, some quarterbacks can handle that pressure. But it's, trust me, it's always easier when you know you got some guys in the run game. And now these next year receivers, too, have a year under their belt, you know, from the tight end position with Finotti and wide receiver positions now got those that year under their belt where they went through some bumps and bruises. <clears throat> you know, Billy Kemp, he'll, he's gone, but you got guys that like uh, uh, Ty, Ty Yan, Han will be back. Fleeks, um, he graduate, but then you have Baron, you know, you have 
uh, Baron Miles Jr. Baron Miles Jr. there to to mm-hmm. back them up. So when you have a young offense that then also can support whoever's taking over at quarterback, even though we got, like I said, we talking about Dylan today, but being here, but now he has to prove himself. But then regardless of who is a starter, it's going to be a definite, you know, another feel good thing to know, knowing you got a good crew of run, young running backs along with the offensive line that can help support the pass game. Yeah. And Emmett Johnson, you know, being a really, really awesome surprise to think last year for a lot of people, because you would think if he started at the beginning of the season, um, he really could have been on pace to just have, what would be an awesome breakout year. Um, He really showed a lot, again, through all the injuries. I don't think anyone was expecting him to have those huge numbers, but he came in and was really impactful through a big stretch of those games where he was the guy kind of leading the charge on those late drives, moving the chains for us. Um, Along Again, given the quarterback situation, it was such a pleasant sight to have Emmett Johnson there, reliably a guy that wasn't really getting talked about, have the consistent yardage he does. But when you're thinking about this Nebraska offense and what Satterfield wants them to be in the future, you know, adding a guy like Dylan Rayla, obviously we, we know he's not going to be given the starting spot. But if you're assuming, you know, he's a five-star talent for a reason, the, the skills mm-hmm. say he should be able to get that job, even though nothing's guaranteed. But what do you think the Satterfield offense is trying to build up to be? Because that's something that I don't think a lot of fans really know yet. Obviously, we talk about all the time. The quarterback was the leading rusher. You know, if you get a guy in Dylan Rayola that can throw it on a dot, do you go to a heavier pocket, you know, pro style offense? Do you continue with the dual threat with the option game uh, using your five star and his legs? What do you expect to see Satterfield try to utilize in this upcoming season with the talent he's got coming in? Well, uh, Satterfield did a good job of adjusting with the players that he had, you know, in terms of what players can do physically and then what, what players were available in terms of being healthy because after a while remember jeff sim goes out with the ankle mm-hmm. and then harbaugh um Heinrich comes available because of that injury and then becomes the starter even though jeff comes back from the ankle so as a coordinator you pretty much gotta roll with what's in your loadout <laughs> you know you got this i'm gonna I'm call i threw in a call of duty comment right there or, or a reference because you got to know what, what what you're what you're playing with to then know how you can attack a team you know, defensively. So if you got Dylan in there, you got Chubb in there, you know, from a, a coaching standpoint, okay, I got to make sure I continue to develop these players to then say we have a two-headed, three-headed monster. We have a quarterback that can run. We have a quarterback that can also throw or, or, or run. Yeah, quarterback that can run and then throw. And then you have a run game behind that too. And then you have offensive line that will dominate the front line. And so we could push you around. And so then, as I saw before the injuries, you know, to Jeff and then having to adjust to high-risk gameplay with the RPO action of running where he was able to run the ball but then throw the deep ball. This offense is really – it's up to whoever is going to be the starters, basically. And where then, to me, I like that for, for Satterfield because then no defense really can, I say, prepare one facet to try to stop us because then we have running backs. We have quarterback that can run and throw and make good decisions and progress through their – through their receivers, you know, the X receiver to the Y to the Z to the top, you know, back down to the tight end or the Y, you know, Y receiver. Then, you know, once they are open up or if they're not, throw it out of bounds or get a few yards with their legs. So when you have a quarterback that brings in, um, I say that football IQ creates a problem for a defense because the defense has to be honest. They can't show one defensive front and think they're going to fool him because he could read it and understand, okay, they're going to try to blitz me from this left side. So I'll look to my, my, my hot route. If my hot right is not there, I'm either going to run for it or I'm going to check it out of bounds, live to the next down. 
you know, take the check, check, take the check down if mm -hmm. it's there. But, it, you know, but if not, if they blitz and if it's zero, then I'm going to just throw it deep to see what happens, because then there's no safety help. It's one on one action on whoever is the Y receiver or the Z receiver running deep. So when you have a quarterback that can make those decisions, then it's an issue for the opposing team. But it starts there with the player and then the coach to make sure to develop these players through spring ball through the training camp to make sure they're up to par so they can be that those players that we're talking about right now. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see Satterfield, like what he does with this lineup. And again, with Garrett McGuire, that's, that's another young coach that surprised me. You know, obviously being as young as he is, people are going to have some early criticisms before he even starts coaching. Uh, but, you know, you saw a lot <laughs> of those young receivers play really well on what was a rapid timeline for them to get going. Obviously, when as soon as Marcus Washington goes out, you know you're going to have to replace the pretty big weapon you had on offense. It looked like it was going to be Coleman. Uh, Lloyd really takes over a lot of it towards the end there, but I thought both guys played pretty well. The blocking is the one thing that you hope gets a little better on the receivers, but again, they're mm -hmm. young. Give it time in the Big Ten in particular. We do have one from the text line here um, from Bryce. And I, I want your opinion on this because you didn't necessarily grow up in the NIL era. So considering yeah. how much Ryola probably got in NIL, will there be a true QB competition through spring and into the fall. I think you still, if you're the coaches, he's got that NIL money because you expect you know him to perform very well and you're expecting him to probably win out in those competitions. But I still don't think it's where you have to absolutely guarantee him that he will start. How many quarterbacks don't start right away immediately and still go on to have amazing NFL careers? I To me, it's you don't have to rush anything. And as long as you're being honest 100%. with those conversations, he, you <clears> don't have to make him the automatic starter. No, you don't have to. So, like, I agree with you. You know, no rushing to, you know, crown anybody the starter right now. It's going to be a competition during spring ball, and it's going to be a competition during uh, training camp, too, barring injury for anybody. Because we got to know all the factors that go into being a starter. It is, for everyone, injuries. You got to stay away from them and, you know, do your best of prehabbing your body to combat against anything from an ankle to a shoulder. That's just any any position. But then after that is uh, all the players in that room is pre they're preparing themselves mentally and physically for what they got to take as a Nebraska quarterback, you know, from the coaching staff that all the things they're going to throw at them de offensively and defensively, you know, the defensive court, you know, they could throw throw some stuff at the guys on offense during spring ball and during training camp, they'll help them get better. That's how we got better. You know, Charlie McBride, did not sugarcoat nothing. He didn't let the dog. He will release the dogs on every practice. So that's how, that's why we could not wait to play somebody else on the weekend. Um, so having that mindset to, to continue to get better um, offensively and defensively, you know, that's where the quarterbacks is going to have that. You got to have a pure competition and understanding. I I understand how NIL floats in and it's a part of the game, but at the end of the day, like I said, you want the best player in the room starting and that even though you, we, we might not run against this at the nfl level because obviously big contracts can't compete and be like you know you kind of make the decision on it i've been there and i've been there done that but sometimes sometimes it it it, it rears its face, uh, ugly head where it's mm -hmm. just obvious like okay we got to play this kid you know what we'll take it on the chin for the pay you know whatever paycheck we gotta we gotta uh swallow this but this kid he could do it so it, it comes down like i said to me a pure competition you got to show me mm -hmm. everybody in that room got to show me what they could do and uh and they could pro progress and develop and part of that is our job as coaches too to help them with that you know um that's where 
coach rule and all the other coaches will find out where where they stand in terms of doing their job yeah i mean you can you can look at the 49ers and brock purdy which is exactly where you just play the guy who gives you the best chance to win it might not be who your first guy, your first thought, second thought, or even third thought or was. Or who's making the most money in the yeah. room. <laughs> but you figure it out, you know, as soon as you see him play and start clicking, um, you know, you let the play do the talking. And it was one of those things where, you know, Jay Foreman says this all the time, and I think he's perfectly right. You know, a lot of these players have this attitude. They get screwed, and they, you know, they get their scholarship, and they're like, all right, great, I'm going to prove everybody wrong now who didn't want me. You know, in this case, it's like, you're here. Prove us right. Like, we got the high expectations for you because we think you can be that guy. So if you're Dylan, yeah, Rayola, like if you're Kalen, you know, prove us right. You're already here. Now you just got to do all the things that we think you can do that we've seen you do at those lower levels and just bring it to Nebraska. Cause again, it, it's big news to think uh, this program, that it's probably the biggest recruiting hit I can think of. I'm a lot younger. I'm on green. Is there anything that comes close to this flipping the number one quarterback in the 2024 class? from a Georgia team who didn't make the playoffs this year, but for the most part has been dominant in these past four or five seasons? Mm, good question. I would, I said beyond the 95 season, I think 92 or three or 91, I think Calvin Jones came through mm. and that was a big deal. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I remember, um, trying to think right after me, might have been uh i know we already had him actually when i was on campus when we got bobby newcomb okay yeah that. and uh and having air crouch too here we had a good stable then of quarterbacks this is after tommy after brooke after scott and to get bobby newcomb and air crouch and uh frankie london was also in the building as well so we had a nice little quarterback crew there and then i say years after the fact he was on campus a guy who then developed into a fantastic college player and then obviously a fa even fantastic NFL player in Dominican Sue. Mm -hmm. so he gets here for two years. You really didn't hear nothing from him. He wasn't even on, I think he was in a rotation. That was about it. Yeah. But was it was about his sophomore halfway through his sophomore year to his junior year is when he, he came on the scene where something, a, a switch got flipped. Then all of a sudden we seeing this guy destroying D linemen's in the big 12, you know, this offensive lineman, I mean, this destroying the old line for other teams and taking over a game from the D-line position, which you rarely see um, at any level of sport. And mm -hmm. when the D-lineman is between getting sacks, tackle for loss, and pick sixes, it's like, hold up. All right, we got <laughs> yeah, to check, yeah. check his bloodline right here. <laughs> we got to check his oil. Like, what's up? Where did this dude come from? You know? Yeah. So when you have like that, a generational talent, then yeah. You know, it's it's been it's been some time, you know, and now this is, you know, like a lot of people have mentioned already in the chat and been hearing about it since day one. Like I said, it's just it's going to raise the competition in the room and then obviously give the excitement to the team or everywhere around everybody. Mm -hmm. But the biggest thing is like, look, we, you know, for a coach and been around it a long time. Hey, I got to be patient. You know, got to wait. Now we're waiting and see. We got we we accomplished our goal um, of receiving a, a fantastic talent. Now we just got to do our job, develop, and then now get through uh, this winter, start spring ball, and then let's go. Let's see where where everything falls, you know, when it does settle. Absolutely. Um, be patient, you know. Well, that's one thing with Matt Rule. If you follow his track record, obviously, from Baylor to Temple, um, the Panthers gig is always one that I'm not going to pin him for because we've seen what the Panthers have been this year. No, and that's a tough situation. Yeah. For college, the pros always mm -hmm. tough for a college quarterback or college coach who had success Great, you know, you know, great success. I think that's probably one reason Coach Osborne never left. He's always, 
stayed at the Cosmo. He was asked numerous times over and over again. I remember during my years, several times to go pro, uh, become an NFL coach, and he always declined. And for you know, for his reasons, we don't, we won't know. But I know it's always a tough transition for any college coach you know, to try to go pro. Absolutely, especially in a room where you know your your best offensive weapons are not that you they're not even there. Um, the quarterback situations here, it's hard to flip any. You know, you could throw any coach in there right now. That's just going to be a tough franchise to turn around. Where it's going to, mm-hmm. in my opinion, the Panthers feel like a few few years process to kind of rebuild and turn that thing around. Unless some of their players, you know, Bryce Young, it's just so hard to even try to rank his quarterback play with the weapons he has around him. And again, you know, yeah. you got some okay players, but there's no one. No real star players on that roster yet. So it's interesting. Uh, yeah. But again, it's going to be exciting to see what year two looks like under Matt Rule because year two, historically, for him in college at least, has been that big jump in terms of the win-loss ratio. So we'll find out um, as we go through spring, fall, all the good stuff. Mm-hmm. We'll keep talking about it. More cards, I'm sure, will continue to shuffle around because Wednesday is that final signing day. But nonetheless, we'll throw it to break here. We got one more segment on the Amon Green Show. You guys have been great. Feel free to keep chiming in. We'll try to get to as many as we can before the end of the show. But we'll throw it to break and talk to you guys in a little bit.